0: to come through all the time, and choirs and things, and man, I enjoyed some of those quartets to come through and sing some of these songs, man, they were foot stomping, shouting music, so I really kind of like some of these old these old quartets. I could sing four times, and you know, then we could do it. No, that might chase you away. Anyway, before I get carried away, let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you again for this day, and your blessings upon us that you've given us and you've shown to us, Lord. We ask now, Lord, you anointing, Lord, upon your servant this morning as I minister your words you've given unto me, Lord, and anoint the hearts of your people, Lord, to receive the message. Lord, let us sense your presence here today, Lord, and convict our hearts, Lord, and help us, Lord, to serve you in a way that's pleasing to you. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory, and everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> I'm going to be in Luke the, chapter 17 this morning. We're going to be mostly in there, so you don't have to worry about running around this morning. I like to run around a lot sometimes with scriptures. Because there's uh, a lot of good scriptures all over the Bible that we can use to talk about. And this is a story probably that you're uh, familiar with. But in case you're not, you will after today, after the service is over. So Luke chapter 17. Okay, we're looking at verse, starting with verse 11. As the Lord continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village, there ten leopards stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked him, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, leprosy was a horrible disease to have. It's not a very pleasant one to have now. (laughs) But back then, it was really one of the worst things that you could get was leprosy. Because leprosy, according to the law, it forced you outside the city. It was, uh, was bad enough to have the disease itself and the pain that went with the disease and all those things that went with it, but it was also the, the outcast. You were outcast. You were cast outside the city. You weren't allowed to live in the city. You weren't allowed to associate with people. You had to forsake your family, your friends, and everything because you were a leper and you, you were required to tear your clothes, it's bad enough that you have to be a leopard, you have to tear your clothes. So if you were, uh, had nice clothes to wear to begin with, you had to tear them. I don't know why, but you did. That was just what they did. And every time someone got close to you, you had to yell, unclean. How would you like that? <laughs> that wouldn't be much fun. If every time we sinned against God and we come close to anybody, we had to say, hey, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. <laughs> I wouldn't like that. But that's what they had to do. And they believed back in those in Bible times that leprosy was a punishment of God for sin. That was the, the, the way that their thinking was, whether it was true or not. I don't know. In some cases, it probably was because we know that one of the kings, when they, when they flailed to give uh, God glory, he became leprous. So sometimes leprosy was a result of sin, but they thought every time everyone had leprosy, it was because they were, uh, had sinned or they had displeased God in some way. So it wasn't a pleasant time person to be if you were a leper in those days. And uh, you were basically relegated to being beggars. That's all you were allowed to do beg because who's going to hire you? I don't want to work with you. It's, you know, it's worse than uh, a lot of things that could be wrong with you. In verse 12, it said these lepers lepers stood at a distance. Now tradition says that they had to stand a hundred paces from anyone and cry out. The 100 paces, I don't know what your pace is. You know, you figure it's at least 150 feet probably. That they could get within somebody, close to somebody. And then they had to cry out that I'm a leper. I'm unclean. Get away from me. And uh, no one wanted leprosy, so they avoided lepers like the plague. They wouldn't get close to them. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. And so this was kind of a hard thing for the lepers because they had no intimacy with anybody. The only friendships that they had with were, was with other lepers. They weren't allowed in the temple of God. They couldn't come to church. Now, some of the people wouldn't bother if they couldn't go to church. But back then, that was a big thing. To be excommunicated from the church, not being able to come to the tabernacle, not being able to come to church, man, that was a terrible penalty for lepers. So they're suffering with the disease, but now you know, they're suffering for all the, you know, the benefits that, that, that they had. And, um, and in some ways, um, sin or sin does the same thing to us. Because sin isolates us from the fellowship with God. Sin makes us outcasts. Sin basically keeps us out of the kingdom of God. As sinners, we can't enter the kingdom of God. As sinners, we are in the process of losing everything we have. And eventually, if we don't come to God and we we die in our sins, we're going to end up paying the ultimate price because the law requires death for sin. So in some ways, leprosy and sin have a lot of things in common. And I guess that's why a lot, there's some, a lot of examples of leprosy in the Bible. is because of that correlation between sin and um, leprosy. Uh, verse 12 and 13 says, Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on him.' You know, that's all they could do. They couldn't get close to Jesus. They couldn't touch Jesus. They couldn't be anywhere in the vicinity. All they could do would be, you know, probably like almost like the length of this church, maybe, or at least a long ways away, you could see Jesus, but that's it. And all they could do is cry out to him for mercy. That's all they could do. And we, as Christians, that's all we can do in our state of sin. That's all we, the hope that we have is to cry out to Jesus. Because they knew enough and heard enough about Jesus that they knew who he was, and they knew that what he was capable of. So they were crying out for mercy. They would have loved to have been able to come back and bow at his feet or do something else to be able to get their need met, but they couldn't because of their leprosy. And we're the same situation when we try to come before God. We just can't come into God's presence. We just can't do that as sinners. We have to be able to come to Christ and let him cover us with his blood and cover us with his righteousness. That's the only way that we can enter into the presence of God. Otherwise, we have to stand afar off. We're not allowed to get close. And that's what Jesus did for these lepers, and that's what Jesus does for us every day. <clears throat> In verse 17, it says, Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? One out of the ten only came, came back to thank God. Now, if you look at the other way around, nine out of ten people don't give thanks to God when they, when they meet, when their needs met. And I probably guess that's probably, a, probably pretty accurate today, don't you think? We live in a very thankless society where the last thing in people's minds is thanks, thanking somebody. That we live with an entitlement mentality. Our kids grow up thinking they're owed a living. They're, and uh, the government regime that we have now has got people convinced you're entitled to a house, you're entitled to a car, you're entitled to health care, you're entitled to all these things. We have a society of entitlement. And so, hey, I don't have to thank anybody for anything, it's my right. But that isn't the case. When we look at the reality of it, it isn't. We only have grace through Christ. Now, Charles Brown gave some suggestions as to why the other nine never returned to give thanks. Now, these are only suggestions, but, you know, as I read through them, I think you're going to find a lot of people that you know in this list. And maybe even you. Maybe you'll find yourself in this list as far as the, the reasons why, when God does something for you, why you don't return to give thanks or you don't acknowledge it. It, the first one of them waited to see if the cure was real. How many times do you, do you come to God with a need, and you, you kind of give it to God, and you know that his word says he's going to meet it? But you're just going to wait. You're not going to thank God until you wait to see if, it, if the cure's real. Did God, is, is he really going to supply my need? I'm going to wait and see before I give him thanks. But see, there's no faith there. We have to give him thanks after, beforehand. That's just the way it works. That's the way God works in the things that he does. You have to ask, and then you receive in faith. And you acknowledge it. One waited to see if it would last. Some people wait and see, if it going to last? I don't want to give thanks to God, because what happens if it don't last? Then I waited, wasted some thanks. So that's why maybe some people don't give God thanks when God meets a need. Whether it be healing or whatever it might be. It might not last. He may give me $10 this week, but man, I don't know about next week. So it might not last. He might not give me another $10. He might not meet my needs next week. So I'm not going to thank him for meeting my needs this week. That's kind of the attitude of some people that are in the church today. One said he would see Jesus later. How many times do we put off coming to God and thanking him for the things that he does for us? We put it off because, hey, we're going to talk to him later, or I'm going to talk to him tonight, or I'll talk to him in the morning, and then I'll thank him. But by the time we get there, we've forgotten about it. So that's one re- another reason. One decided he had never had leprosy in the first place. <laughs> now that's a good one. Sometimes we sit there and God meets our needs and we thought, well, it really wasn't that big of a need. I would have worked it out one way or the other. It wasn't really that big a deal. So why should I thank God when I actually am the one that did it? One of them said he would have gotten well anyway. Some people won't give God thanks because, you know, they figure, well, I would have got well anyway. Sooner or later I was going to get well. So it wasn't a big deal. I don't need to thank God for it. One gave glory to the priest. Now that we live in a society today that chase priests or chase men of God or chase preachers because they think, oh, I've got to go over here and let such and such pray for me. Because if, I pray, if they pray for me, I'm going to be healed. See, so basically where's the glory going? When we when that's our attitude, God wants us the glory to go to Him. I'm not saying that that's wrong if you want to do that and you feel like God wants you to do that. But we ultimately, it isn't the it isn't the minister or the pastor or the preacher that we got to thank. It's God, because God the one that meets the needs. <clears throat> so we got to keep our eyes on God and forget about the middleman. See, but we like to thank the middleman because we think that's going to do more good for us in this life. One said, any rabbi could have done it. Oh, we didn't need Jesus to do it. He was just another rabbi. Anybody could have done it. If we have went to them first, same thing would have happened. So I don't need to go thank Jesus because, hey, it wasn't that big a deal. One said, I'm already much improved. But, well, I'm getting better. I'm going to get better anyway. I don't need to thank God for it. I'm getting a little better, so I'm getting better by myself. I don't need to thank God for it. There's all kinds of reasons that people have not to thank God. How many times do we have... Uh, Soldiers in foxholes that say, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do all these other kind of things. I'm going to thank you. But then they get home, and they forget all about it. And they all said, well, that was just a moment of weakness, and, you know, I would have been safe anyway. Because we take God's things that he does for us, we take his blessings for granted. And we look in our lives for excuses not to thank God. I don't know why that is. I guess it's because we're inbred with unthankfulness. We like to think that we're the ones that can do anything. We did it ourselves. I'm reminded of the story. Well, not really a story. As our pastor had a, if you've ever been up to Valley Assembly up there, they had a, they pretty got pretty nice building, and they've got sub buildings and all these things running around. Probably you know lots of money worth of buildings. And one uh, minister or somebody comes and says, you know, this is sure a nice, nice thing that you kind of fell into here. You know, with a nice church, you make a good salary, you do all these other kind of things and have all these nice facilities, and there's a lot of people that come to the church. He says, man, you sure fell into it. And he says, what do you mean it fell into it? He says, yeah, you got to thank God for it. I says, yeah, I thank God for it every day. He says, but you should have seen this place before I, when I got it, before I got it. You know, we want to thank God, but we have to get things and we have to turn them into something. It's all right, you know, we need to thank God for the abilities, but God expects things from us to do things. And then when we do things, we need to thank God for the abilities to do us because he gives us the things. You got a nice house, that's great, but God gave you that nice house. You say, well, no, I worked for it. No, you didn't. God gave you the job. He expected you to work for it. It's an honor to work because God knows that if we're not doing something, we're going to get in trouble. We have to keep busy to do things. So we need to thank God for everything that happens in our life. And we need to look for things to be thankful for. No physician could heal these people. No medicine could cure them. And I think that today, even that it's the same thing. They've got leprosy, leper colonies where people go. Of course, leprosy is something that, you know, we don't see a lot of anymore because they've done things to uh, correlate them. But they're still basically outcasts into certain areas of the uh, places that they take them. Um, but they were completely helpless, helpless because of this deadly disease. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for us, died for the ungodly. Now in the Greek, to be without strength means to be totally helpless. Now like these lepers, that's the way that we are. When we come to God, we're totally helpless. There's nothing that we can do to to earn our salvation. We can't do anything. We're lost. We're on our way to heaven. And if God doesn't do it for us, we don't have any hope. We are totally helpless, and God knew that, and that's why He came and He died on a cross for our sins because He knew we couldn't do it ourselves. So He wanted to do it for us, but we were totally helpless. And he, when we were helpless, He came and <clears throat> and died for our pla- in our place. Now, the Greek word for, for the, these lepers who were helpless, and they all they did was cry out for mercy. Now, the word for mercy is eleno. Which means to have mercy or compassion. Now grace is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do is not getting what you deserve. Now these lepers, when they cried out for mercy, they kind of are saying when they cried out for mercy, "I know, maybe I deserve the predicament I'm in. Maybe I deserve the situation I'm at." Because basically, if you look at anybody and you talk to them long enough, we're going to know that we all deserve punishment. We all deserve to be cast into hell. That's the reality of today. I don't care who you are. So actually, these lepers, when they were crying out for mercy, was acknowledging that they had deserved basically their condition because they had sinned when they were crying out for mercy. I don't know whether that's the case. I have no idea. It doesn't give us any names or any indication of it. But when they were crying out for mercy, they were acknowledging that they didn't deserve to be healed. When we come to God, we don't deserve to be saved. There's nothing we've done in our lives that makes us worthy to be saved. And we need to realize that. That's where these lepers were. And their only hope was in Jesus. Now they knew that. They had nowhere else to go. They had no hope at all. And I'm glad that, you know, in a situation because we're hopeless, where would we go if we didn't have Jesus? He was their only hope. Well, Jesus is our only hope today. And I'm thankful that when Jesus is our only hope, hey, that's all it takes. We've got our hope in the right place. We don't have to worry about it because he's he's going to meet our need. And these uh, lepers, when they cried out to Christ, they knew that he was their only hope. And they knew that he'd healed people in the past. They knew he'd done all these other things and they were hoping that he would include them. Well, today we don't have to worry about hoping if Jesus will include us because Jesus said it's for anyone who will may come. He's the hope of anyone that wants to come. If anyone that cries out to mercy for him, he grants it. And he gives you grace, something we don't deserve, which is heaven. And he blesses our life. We don't deserve the blessings that Christ gives us. We don't deserve anything. What we deserve is death. But he showed mercy on us. But we have to cry out for mercy. We have to ask him for it. He just doesn't automatically do it because he's got a plan. And if you don't cry out to Christ to save you, he's not going to save you. That's the reality of it. He died. The ticket's right there waiting for you, but you got to go pick it up. But I'm thankful that Jesus, coming to Jesus was all they needed to do. And that's all we need to do because he'll meet our needs. In verse 14, it says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, Jesus had, to, had compassion on them and he cleansed them of their leprosy. But he told them to go show yourselves to the priest. Now, he didn't heal them right then. He didn't say, okay, you're healed. Now go show yourself to the priest. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if they looked at the circumstances they were in, they still had leprosy. Leprosy is something that you could see. It was physically, it was all there, you know, of things. And it wasn't a pretty sight. So they were in faith going to the priest to show themselves to the priest to be healed. And on the way, on their way, as they acted in faith, that's when they were cleansed of their leprosy. It wasn't right there. And they said, well, hey, Jesus, wait a minute. I'll wait until I see some results here. Well, until I see, it, you know, that I'm, I'm I'm healed, then I'll go show myself to the priest, because that was the law that they had to do. Anybody who's cleansed of leprosy had to go show themselves to the priest, and the priest had to inspect it and make sure that they were healed, actually healed or cleansed. So that was a requirement of the law. And Jesus didn't go around the law at all. He went went right, flowed right with the law because he wanted to make sure they didn't have any reason to condemn him. And God made the law anyway to begin with. So. And that's kind of the situation that that we are in today. We have a lot of people, they come and they get prayed for, maybe for healing, and they say, well, you know, I'm going to believe God's healed me. But then they don't go to the doctor to confirm it. See, doctors are good because we've got to have somebody confirm it sometimes. Because he told them to go to the the priest to confirm their healing. And yet we today won't do that. We say, oh, I can't go to the doctor because if I go to the doctor, I'm not showing any faith and I may lose my faith, so I'm not taking any chances. Well, we don't need to worry about that because if God tells you to do something, heals you, if God does something for you, he wants you to confirm it. Go ahead and confirm it. It's all right. It's a good testimony to the priest. When they go to the priest and showed, hey, and he expected them to say, man, what happened to you? Then they say, hey, Jesus healed me. It's a good testimony. If you go to your doctor when you've had something wrong with you and you know that you was prayed for and God healed you and you go to the doctor to confirm it, say, man, what happened to you? I was prayed for. Hallelujah, Jesus still heals. That's a good testimony because these doctors need to have their eyes opened up, a lot of them. I have one Christian doctor that I go to. My um, orthopedic surgeon is a Christian, and sometimes we talk about the Lord. And that's nice to know. You know, It kind of gives you different... Security feeling, when you know he's in there with a knife cutting on you, (laughs) that he's prayed first, (laughs) and he's, you know, kind of interested, wants that supernatural intervention there too, so that's kind of, you know, nice to have that there, but God isn't afraid of doctors. God created doctors, and he wants us not to be stupid. These people that, I'm not saying, well, it's between them and God, but if God says you're healed of something, especially parents, you know, if their kids are healed, so I had my kid pray for and they're healed. Well, go to the doctor, take him to the doctor and let it be confirmed. Don't sit there and deprive your kid of medicine or don't deprive somebody of medicine that they need if they're not healed. Because you are just going to the doctor, isn't going to ruin your healing. God needs, wants you to confirm it because he commanded these guys to do it. He commanded them, go confirm your healing. He commanded all 10 of them to do that. And every single one of them went to the priest to confirm it. So we don't need to worry about going to the doctors to confirm the healing that we have done, if, if that's the scenario that we have. God isn't afraid of doctors. Uh, verse 14b says, and they went, as they went, they were healed. Now, he could have just said, be healed, and he would have been healed. But God wa- Jesus wanted them to show some faith in doing what he asked them to do. So it was on their way. They had already made it mind. okay, I'm going to the priest. They didn't know how long it would take to get there, but the, all they knew is that they'd heard Jesus tell them to do it, they took him at his word, and they started out doing it. Sometimes we hear God's word, and that's the end of it. And then we run around and say, Jesus didn't heal me. Well, did you do the rest of it? Was there any faith involved? If you don't have any faith involved, God works through faith. He wants you to pre, you know, act a different way. He wants you to accept the fact that, hey, you believe what he said. And if you believe what he said, and you go do what he said he's going to do, then on the way, in the middle of doing whatever it is God wants you to do, then something's going to happen in your life. You're going to be changed. You're going to be healed. And we need to quit trying to just do the first part and not do the rest of it. God does that. And that's why there's so many examples of healing in this, in this book, different examples of it, because there's no two healings that are... Well, God can heal different, the same way several times, but there's different kinds of examples because maybe... The one example doesn't fit your life, but the other one does. But we have to have faith when we come to Christ, so we have to believe his word. In um, verses 15 and six it says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And one of them said, When he saw that he was healed. Now, the Greek word for saw is ito, which means to know, to see, or perceive. So he took note that he had been healed. He noticed it. He perceived it. He instantly acknowledged it. See, sometimes God does stuff for us and we don't acknowledge it and we don't perceive, perceive what he's doing. If it's money that we need and we get five bucks, maybe you don't need, maybe you need a hundred bucks, but all you got is five bucks. We got to acknowledge the five bucks. Because if he gave you the five bucks, he can give you the other 95. Or if you need healing and you start feeling better, that's the point we need to acknowledge. Hey, I'm starting to feel a little better. Thank you, Jesus, at that point. It wasn't until you completely recover of something. It's when you start to perceive that God has done something in your life. And that's what happened. As soon as this one guy, man, he perceived it as instantly. He didn't wait for maybe the whole thing to be complete. Then I have no idea. But the instant he perceived that something had changed in his life, he ran back to Jesus and started praising God. Now, when God does something for you, it makes us praise God and thank Jesus. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and thanked him and praised him and said, thank you for healing me, thank you. He acknowledged the fact. But if he hadn't saw or hadn't perceived and he hadn't acted, then he wouldn't have come back to Jesus and then we'd had all tell him that was wasn't thankful and that wouldn't have been a good sermon. <laughs> so anyway, and how many times do we do the same thing? We leave without asking him. We leave without thanking Christ for anything. We come up, or we'll come up, we we'll get prayed for, and as soon as we get up, our, our requests are just like kind of like a yo-yo on a string. We lay them at the altar, and then we come back, and we kind of flip it, and here it goes back, whoosh, back into our hand. We, 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 we pick our problems up as we leave. Uh, verse 19 says, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, that's what it says in the King James. Now, we kind of miss this word here, made thee whole. We think, oh, all right, because he'd already said, go thy way, and he cleansed him of the leper. So why did he say, thy faith hath made thee whole? Because in um, leprosy, if you know anything about the disease, what it does, it uh, attacks you know, extremities. After a period of time, your fingers start falling off. Your ears fall off. Your toes fall off. And you know, even the nose on your face will fall off. Because all the extremities will fall off because of the disease. Now, I don't know what this guy looked like. Lepers, if you had leprosy for a very much a period of time, you'd be missing some fingers. You'd be missing some toes. You might even be missing your nose and your ears. I have no idea what this guy looked like. But see, when he came back and he returned to praise Jesus and thank him for cleansing him. See, curing you of the leprosy wasn't enough. See, God wanted to do more. So he said to him, thy faith hath made thee whole. And I believe at that instant that if he had lost fingers, they instantly grew. If he was missing a nose, I believe the nose returned. I believe his ears would have grown back instantly. And I believe that's the difference that this leper got that the other guys didn't get. They got healing from their leprosy, yeah, but then they, they didn't leave complete. This guy left whole. He left whole. Hallelujah. It's one thing to be cured of the disease, but you're still going to be disfigured. Those, leprosies, those lepers were cleansed, but they might have been still disfigured. But well, when he come back, Jesus made it a point, because you've come back, because you came back in faith and you thanked me and you praised God, I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to return to you everything that this disease robbed from you. I want to return everything to you that this disease did to you. And that's the same thing that Christ wants to do with us. He doesn't want to just cleanse us from our sin. He wants to make us whole. He wants to make us complete. And if we just come to God and say, thank you for my, you know, saving me from my sin, or if we even do that, we just walk in, in that, we're missing out on so many things that God wants to do for us. He wants to make us whole. He wants to restore our lives. He wants to restore our relationships. He wants to restore the things that the devil and sin has destroyed, taken away from us. That's what God wants from us. And if we refuse or we're not thankful people and come back to God and thank you for the things that he's done for us, we'll never be whole. We'll never have the things restored because we're too selfish. And God wants to make us whole. Thankful people are happier. You know, a happy person, you can bet that they're thankful. Thankful people enjoy life more. If you're thankful, man, I'll tell you, you enjoy all everything that life has to offer. You enjoy the little things. Just sitting under a tree in the, in, the, in the summer with a cool breeze blowing makes you happy. But the people that aren't thankful people, they sit there and say, you know, it's sure hot today. Man, I'm going to go inside because it's too hot out here. Or we gripe about the other things in life instead of being thankful for what we have. But thankful people are happier people. And it seems like that thankful people have fewer problems. Either it doesn't bother them as much. When they have problems come in their life, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't knock the, pull the rug out from underneath their feet because they're thankful for the other things in their life. Sure, maybe they lost their job. Okay, well, there's other things in your life you can be thankful for. And if you're thankful for the things that God has given you, then God's going to give you another job. God's going to work things out in your life. If we're thankful. But when all we do is focus on the things that we don't have, It destroys our joy. And without joy, then we start, we get disgruntled. We say, man, why am I serving God? All I do is he wants me to do all these things and all I do, my life's miserable now than it used to be. I have more problems now than I used to have. And we start dwelling on other things because problems of sin destroys our joy. And without joy, pretty soon we're going to be disgruntled. An unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. You want to be defeated, be unthankful. If you want to have victory, be thankful. Start looking in your life for things to be thankful about and thank God for everything. Every little thing that he does for you, think about it. You know, count your blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. We need to thank God for the things that are going on in our lives. We need to draw a list, maybe, and put all the bad things in our life on the left side and all the good things that God's done for us on the right side. And then we need to tear the list in half, throw away the side on the left, and dwell on things on the right. Because thankful people are victorious. And if you're not living a victorious life, try thankfulness. Be a little more thankful. Thank God for everything. Thank God for the car you drive. Thank God for your house. Thank God for your food. We do that. Usually we'll bless our food. We'll thank God for our food. But what about the nice warm blanket you crawled under last night? Or the heat? There's all kinds of things. When we start thinking about things to be thankful for, then attitude of thanksgiving grows in our heart. And we're more thankful and and we're happier. Verse 17 says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Which one are you this morning? Are you the one that's going to return and give God thanks for the things that he's done for you? Are you going to be like the 90% of the world that's unthankful? Think that you're entitled to it. I'm a Christian, I'm God's kid, and I believe we are. But we need to be thankful. We need to be th- thank God for, for all the things that he's done for us. I want to be the one that returns and gives thanks. I want to be made whole. I just don't want to be healed of something. I want to be made whole. I want the, dev- uh, the devil to be put in his place. And I want to be able to retrieve or take back everything that the devil's stolen from me. And I believe we can. And the key is thanksgiving. Being thankful for what we have. And when we're thankful for what you have... Then when God gives you something else, it helps. It feeds more thanksgiving, more things to be thankful for. Don't you just love a thankful kid that you give them something and they're so excited to have something that you've given them? We're going to have a lot of things going on now because of the holidays. We're going to have a lot of unthankful people around this time of year. If you go to the malls and they sit there and they gripe and they grumble and they're miserable and all these things, you can bet that, that person isn't thankful. They aren't thankful that they can get out and, you know, they gripe about the crowds and the things and the shopping and everything else like that. Well, hey, they're not, they should be thankful that they have some money to spend this time of year. They're thankful that they can walk. They're thankful they have a way to get to the mall. They can have thankful for all these other kind of things that they're doing. And this season, especially with Christmas and everything, we need to re- realize how thankful and how blessed we are. We are blessed more than anybody else in the world. If you've never had a home, if you've lived in your car because you didn't have a home, and all of a sudden you get a home, man, I'll tell you, you're thankful. Sometimes we get in the home, and we forget that we where we came from. And God wants us to th- remember what He's done for us. He doesn't want us to go back and remember the old life, but He wants us to remember